Hi, welcome to the Leveled Up Podcast. I'm Megan Johnson. I'm Sarah Flannery. And I'm Danae Ofsted. This week, we talked about identity and who the hell do you think you are? So stay tuned if you want to learn more about who the hell we think we are and tips that might help you along the way as well. Listen up. What's up? (laughs) So episode number two that we're uh, recording from the safety of not being by each other because I assume each one of you is a Petri dish full of COVID-19. Probably not, but I mean, who knows, really? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't feel like I'm infected or contagious, so that's equivalent to me being not infected or contagious. Non-Petri dish. Yeah, non-Petri dish. Well, I think today we're talking about uh, a topic that was going to come to the Level Up community last month, but unfortunately we had to derail, so we're going to throw it at everybody in the podcast episode today, and that is identity, Ooh, big topic. Um, Large topic. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. I think it's really important to understand, um, or at least get your arms around what it means to you and, and what that looks like for your life and in the time of your life, so I'm really excited to to talk about that, and I know you are too, Sarah. You jumped right on board when we kind of threw this out, or maybe you threw it out. I don't remember who threw it out. I think Danae had listened to a podcast that had, we were, we have been talking about some struggles with me identifying some of my identity, but after being so sick and Danae had recommended this podcast and then we kind of just were like really excited about it. We're like, let's make it a level up topic. I'm going to spearhead it first, Megan, and Sarah's going to spearhead it second. Okay. I like the enthusiasm. Get that? Yeah. You're a lot more enthusiastic today. How you been, bud? Like you you seem on top of it. Um, well, I ended my day at 5 30 and I don't I'm not I only have like two voice messages to get to tomorrow morning. Ooh, so that's hey. a really good feeling. So we are we are doing pretty well, you know, as well as one can. My dog had a great play date today, so he's laying passed out on the floor, super cute, not barking and trying like jumping on me and being like, Mom, come play with me because you're home. Yeah, that was a really good impression. For those of you who weren't watching Sarah actually do an impression of her dog, that was pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Okay, well, why does uh, why does this topic of identity stand out to you guys? Because I know what it means in my mind. Like, I have a very clear picture of how to frame that, like the visuals of what that um, shows up as. Um, but what uh, what does that feel like for you? What, what's important about this to you guys? Megan, why don't you start? Um, I think it's important to me because it's a really important aspect of how, of like your daily life, how successful you're going to be, the actions that you take, the decisions that you make. It is just a baseline part of who you are. And I think that um, it often feels for a lot of people out of their control, which is not always the truth. And uh, so I think it's an important conversation to have about who am I and what, what am I about and what kind of community am I about and what kind of world am I about and all that kind of things that you identify with to determine what life you want in the future, I guess. And so I think any grown up, this should be just taught as like to be a grown up, you have to understand the fluidity of identity 
And I don't just mean this as like um, gender identity or, or like how you identify in the world in those hot topics, but like simple basic things like, am I, a, am I an introvert? Am I a confident person? Am I a capable person? Am I good at math as an excuse, is an example I've used in the past. And that was just an, like an identity that I had in the past. And it really held me back on a lot of things. Just that simple way I, I created my identity of saying, I'm not good at math and I held myself back. And so if you think about those simple things, and we'll talk about it more in the episode, I think it's just so important to really evaluate what you determine as your identity and decide, is that something that I want as my identity or is it not? And how do you, how do you change that? And how do you move forward in your life? Yeah, I would say all of that. And then I also, I find when I think about identity, I, I, I narrow it down to like the core values of who I am as a person. Um, I almost like link this back to when you have these certain things identified of who you are as a person, um, how you function, what works for you, it brings so much ease and clarity to how you decide to do things in the future or in that current moment when you're making decisions. I channel it back to like listening to Amy Sally talk about finding their niche for their business, right? How much clarity that bought. I almost think it's um, analogous. That's the right word to be using right now, right? Yeah. Hey. Um, SAT word alert. <laughs> with um, identity. And uh, with you, Megan, I can't push enough as something I really want to talk about um, maybe a little bit later on is being fluid with that identity. Your identity at 16, 21, for me, my whole identity changed two years ago, right? I, I, I was I'm 35, so I was 33, and I thought I had, you know, great job, things figured out, and then I switched it up into the entrepreneur world, and then, you know, my identity just got kind of shooken up, like it, it kind of got derailed, and I think it's important to know that that it's fluid, and that what worked for you two years ago or five years ago to define your identity doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong if it doesn't work for you now or finding a new way to put, uh, to define it. Um, I think that's huge. And I think people beat themselves up because they have social media and there's constant comparison. It's comparison to old self, to new self, to this person who's another, you know, does the same job as me or whatever. And I think it's so hard to sometimes strain that out to really identify who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something that I want to talk about today too um, on the podcast. But Danae, how about you, Lovey? So I guess I have a couple ideas of what identity actually means to me. Um, and I'm sure we'll hear more about you guys' personal stories when it comes to this as well. But I can tell you that my identity has shifted over and over and over again. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, the more that I find out about the world and the more I find out about myself. Because in in short, I think identity is like who the hell do you think you are? Like, yeah. but I mean that in a very literal way, like, yeah. because your identity has so much more to do with you and how you see your place in the world mm -hmm. than anything that's actually true or objective, if that makes sense. Right. Makes so total if you're, sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you're the kind of person who thinks that, you know, you, um, you know, you always make $50,000 a year and that you always weigh a certain amount and that you always have certain habits those are things that you believe about yourself, right? So um, 
those things can change over time though. So if you're, you know, I, I know Ed Milet talks a lot about this when it comes to identity because he thinks of it as like an internal thermometer, right? Mm -hmm. So if your identity keeps you at uh, 70 degrees, you're a 70 degree person at all times, which means you make a certain amount of money, you have a certain level of health, um, and you have certain levels of relationships, right? That as soon as you either drop down below that and you start making less money or you start, you know, weighing more, your habits get worse, your identity is what brings you back up to, well, no, this is who I actually am. I'm a 70 degree person, which is great. And it's a good mechanism to have in place is just that belief about who you are. But the flip side, a lot of the times is that um, when you start making more money than you believe you deserve, right? Or whether you know that or not, mm -hmm. or you, um, you know, get to a better level of health than you traditionally are. A lot of times your temperature drops back down. You'll do things subconsciously, whether you know it or not, to bring yourself back down to a level in which you're comfortable. So it's, I don't know, it's something that I've struggled with for a long time because I want to be a certain kind of person and I like to think of myself as a certain kind of person. But if I have a deep set belief about who I am, um, until that changes, it doesn't matter what I do externally um, because that identity has to change at some point. Otherwise, I'm going to be at the same point forever. Right. Um, what I want you guys to touch on specifically today hopefully is, um, you know, right now for anybody who's listening at, at another time, and I don't know when we're releasing this, we're all in kind of a weird transition point. Thank you to um, the Rona, right? We're all in uh, different states of being stuck at home or like me, I'm at my office, but there is no one else here. So it's basically a quarantine. Um, you know, we're an essential business at this point, but um, what I want to know is how everybody's feeling right now because so many of us have identities centered around specific things. And I want to know when I've gone through the most dramatic transformations in my life, it was when I had a key part of my identity taken away. So, you know, for instance, the, the example that comes to mind is um, right after college when I was just bartending for years, um, I had so much time and energy because I worked a whatever four to six hour shift every day. And then I had the rest of my time free that I identified as somebody who was always in really, really good physical shape. I always ate healthy. Um, you know, I always weighed a certain amount and that was who, that was my entire identity was somebody who's fit and somebody who's always in good shape. And then I switched career paths. So I didn't have all of that time and energy that I did before. And so my complete identifier was somebody who was always, you know, in the gym or always dancing or always doing gymnastics or something like that was gone. And I was like, okay, well, if I don't have those things, then who am I now? What is it? What is my identity? Will people still like me if I'm not mm -hmm. this person who I've always been? Um, you know, what, what parts of me are important if I can't rely on those things that have always been there? So I think a lot of people right now, and this is a long tangent, so bear with me. Um, a lot of people are now in this place where they've either had their income taken away or they've had their work taken away or they've had their normal habits and routine taken away. So I'd love for you guys to touch on a little bit of how you feel people are dealing with this identity shift or how people can deal with an identity shift when they're not who they think they are anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first on that. Cause I talk to people at, like, I don't know, multiple times a week about stuff like this. Um, so whenever, and I can, I think um, what you're saying, Danae, you could even 
compare this to when somebody has something occur to them that challenges a, a belief that they've had their whole life. Like let's say they were raised with one political affiliation in their family and all of a sudden through growing up, they're starting to get different influences and they're learning different things and they're really challenging those beliefs that they've had all their life. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not a blank party voter. And what does this mean? What does this say about me? And how does this change my identity? Just the same way as, as some of those big activities as well. Like if I'm not a business owner anymore, because I have to shut my business, like who am I? Right. Yeah. And I think, um, the, uh, advice that I always go back to that is that there should be some pretty standard values that you hold core. And even if you're, those are adjusting, um, go back to those and see how it relates to other things. Um, because like, I'm always going to ha have integrity, like integrity in my business practices, integrity. I only surround my people, myself with people of highest integrity. That's really, really important to me. So I can always go back to say, Hey, I, I hold the highest standards of integrity. It doesn't matter if I'm working for somebody else or I'm a business owner or I'm working from home. I'm still going to manage my time with integrity. I'm still going to manage my clients with integrity. I'm still going to manage all my relationships with integrity. And that doesn't change across the board for me. And so that really basic piece of my identity that I've chosen for my life um, is no different whether or not I'm in the office with Stephanie or I'm here in my office at home or I'm playing soccer at the park. You know, it's, it's always the same. Um, and so um, that's really what I go back to is, is the thing that you're tying your identity to really the thing or can we dig down deeper to something that's more core at your identity that you're actually just a, like incorrectly attaching to something else if that makes sense yeah i mean i'll use myself as an example here with exactly what you're talking about is um you know kind of like like today i i had an identity um like when i moved out here eight years ago was i'm building a life for myself i'm building a myself a solid foundation with income and this is the number right i had this number in my head and i basically did everything in my power to make that happen i learned as quickly as i could i grew as quickly as i could i put myself around who i thought were best in the business this is this and i built this relationship with money and it has become part of my I'll call it identity right now, but it's a work in progress because I feel like what you just said is um, I attached money to something as part of my core identity when really it it's not like it or it maybe shouldn't be part of the core identity. Let's put it that way, because when I stopped making money, when I went into sales and grew my own business, like everything was bad and I was terrible at everything even though I was trying to be a good human and trying to have good integrity and trying to advise people because I didn't have any money why would anybody trust me right and it just it got super tangled and just really overlapped and ugly and so many things of like no, I'm an extrovert to my core. I have the utmost integrity when I'm talking to people. I'm always going to do the right thing. Even if that right thing is not necessarily what I have to offer, I would still advise you to take the better, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about, whether it happens to be work-related or not. Mm -hmm. So it got super untwined. I'm still sort of trying to unwind my relationship 
with the money aspect of it. But I think that this ties into what you were just saying in regards to, you know, when you go to look at it and it's taken away, it kind of, it's like a forced light. And what that's kind of what's happening right now with all of us being in quarantine, right? Your, your everyday habits have been, could potentially be stripped depending upon what your situation is. You know, your regular routine of waking up, you know, whatever you do for your morning routine, you're going to work, whether that's in the office or in your house. You know, you spend this amount of time doing this, you spend this much time meeting new people. You know, however you, whatever your your thing is, a lot of it has come to a screeching halt or it's completely dead on 180 in variance of how you're doing it, right? We, a lot of us have come to Zoom, use technology, and it's kind of just throwing some things kind of up in the air. And so this kind of shines a light in regards to like what maybe, you know, what you thought was a strong part of your identity may not be. Like it's kind of showing a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's easy to, to shift those a little bit too. Like instead of the identity being, I'm a person that works out all the time and eats really healthy. Maybe the identity, the, the thought instead of that is I'm somebody who takes good care of myself. And that also means mentally and spiritually. And that means the people that I surround myself with. And that's the security that I, I surround my life with. And that's just all of those decisions. Instead of saying, if I don't go to the gym every day, my, I am not who I think I am making that small shift to something that maybe is a little bit more healthy and maybe something that is a little bit more adaptable to your current situation. Cause your current situation isn't always going to be the same. Right. Um, but you can create that version of behaviors that you choose every day to support that identity. If it's a, if it's a positive identity that you want to keep, but you were forced to say, is that the person that I am? And so what happened was you're saying my identity is I'm somebody that goes to the gym every day and eats really healthy every day. And then my life doesn't support that. So there's this incongruence between who I think I am and who I'm acting as. And so you, you were forced to say, okay, so what I have to re-choose this identity and that's really disruptive and upsetting. Um, but sometimes it's a necessary piece to get to the person that you want to be. And I think that's, one of the biggest struggles that people have with identity um, is being able to see the future and seeing themselves. So there was this uh, research done by uh, a guy named Daniel Gilbert, Dr. Daniel Gilbert out of Harvard. And uh, basically the research was on if people were very good at predicting who they'd be in the future. And it turned out people were terrible at it, like real, <laughs> real bad. <laughs> and um And it was because they only saw themselves as their static self in a future time. So they couldn't see a different version of themselves, even though they could logically look back and say, 10 years ago, were you the same person? They'd be like, no, I was totally different. I liked this and I did this and I was surrounded with these people and I liked country music and I hated mushrooms. And today, like I'm eating a mushroom sandwich at a Toby Keith concert, you know, like totally different (laughs) people. Um, But it's really hard for us to separate my current self, um, like the way we see our identity today and say, okay, so what is, what is the future self of me going to look like? And so people are really terrible at that. And that's why people are really, really struggle with those changes that you were talking about, Danae, with those changes in behaviors and situations and their past identity, because they don't see identity as fluid, just like your weight is fluid, just like your, where you live is fluid, just like your hormones are fluid. You, you have the ability to change and adapt your identity as well. 
um, to create the life that you want. And, and you know what, the most important piece of this whole conversation is that it turns out that you're actually in charge of that. You know, you're actually, you actually get to choose what piece of, um, of values and, and who you think you are and internalize that into your identity or your future identity. And then that's the work that you have to set yourself to do long tangent. Sorry. That, no, no, sorry. That was, it's not a tangent if that's what the entire podcast is about. Can we just establish that? Like if we talk for more than 30 seconds about something the podcast is about, it's not a tangent, it's the podcast. <laughs> I'm saying that for myself as well. I tend to apologize after long sentences. Yeah, so. we should never apologize because what's yeah. coming out is it's relevant to it's what- podcast, god damn it. Damn it. <laughs> We're in charge here. Um, yeah, I- I agree. I think it's the most difficult part. And we've talked about this before in different contexts. I think the most difficult part is when you feel that your identity has changed, but your actual life hasn't. Yes. So for me, I was nodding and nobody could see me nodding. So I'm yes, I can see you. <laughs> um, but I think that that's, that's where my biggest struggle when it comes to identity is because I feel like I have this idea of who I'm supposed to be and of who I am, you know, that I'm the kind of person who makes a certain amount of money or that I'm the kind of person who, you know, does certain kind of things or works with certain kind of clients or things like that. But then when my life doesn't match up and when I have the, I'll say the, the dissonance of having this idea of myself and a reality that doesn't match, I feel like that's when I get the most frustrated. And that's, that's when I feel like we get into this place of, like guilt and almost undoing the work that we've done. And I know that I get in that place sometimes where I'm like, oh my God, haven't I done enough personal development yet? Like, I, this is like, exhausting. How much is it going to take before this just works? Like, yeah. am I a good person yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, geez, um, you know, that's kind of what it, what it feels like sometimes is it like, how much more do I need to do before I become the person that I feel like I am, you know? Because like, if it's actually like this, I feel like this is fairly um, like existential. Like once I'm the person who I'm supposed to be, shouldn't everything else just like fall into place? Yeah. You're saying, you're saying, why don't I have the benefits of the people that, of the person I am, the benefits that I think Mm -hmm. I should have as the person that I am. And so you're like, why doesn't this apple taste like oranges? I'm pissed. Like I have an apple, I'm an apple. And I think if if I want an apple that tastes like an orange, it's just going to show up for me. And that's not always the truth. But if you go out and you do all the things to create an an orange flavored apple, you get an orange flavored apple. But right now you're saying, I'm an apple person, I'm an apple person, but I want an apple that's orange flavored. This is not a very good explanation of this at all. I'm doing a very poor job. <laughs> I feel like more, more of, of where I'm at a lot of the time is I feel like I'm a, mm, let, let me, let me think of how to, how to explain this without apple and oranges terms. Cause now those are the only analogies in my brain. So thank you. Barbie now wants fruit. Sorry. <laughs> it's more like, I feel like I'm a like I should be a fully formed apple and instead I'm getting results. Like I'm still a seedling. Perfect. Way better. That's still, still in the apple realm, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if I'm 
doing all of these things to change my identity. And if I'm showing up and if I'm doing the work and if I'm reading the books and if I'm, you know, doing the amount of activity that I need to, and if I'm doing all of these things, then like in the natural progression of how things go, it feels like I should be where my brain is, mm-hmm. you know? Sometimes I feel like I'm just living in this state of being like pretty successful, mm-hmm. you know? Where like I, my brain feels like I'm one place, but then my my actual physical existence is somewhere else. Right, like it just Again, needs to catch up. A, this, yeah, exactly. Like this is a weird conversation to have and I understand that, but that's because I don't feel like I really understand how this works. Like I seriously don't because I feel like I can put myself in environments over and over again that maybe improve me over time. But I think part of part of the of what's difficult about this too is that results don't always show up exactly when we want them to or exactly how it is that we want them to. A lot of this just isn't predictable. So saying that I should be at a certain place right now if I've done a certain amount of work, isn't real. And like, yeah, I understand correct. that. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's just a, a weird conversation because I could be like, it's also hard to measure progress over a long period of time when it comes to things like your identity. Like, how are you supposed to measure identity over, over a long period of time? Like, you're right. Like talking about those studies, like if you look back and had a conversation with me let's say three years ago, I wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have said running a financial practice or like helping start level up or any of these things. I wouldn't have like, none of those things would have come to mind because my identity wasn't that of somebody who was a leader. And it wasn't that of somebody who is capable of working with higher identity people. My identity was somebody who really just wanted to play outside and like, go upside down like a little kid and I'd still be very happy doing that but that was a different part of my life I couldn't imagine doing something like this right so, I don't know you know this reminds me of some a thought that I was having today let me pull up the title the author so I don't mess it up but I was reading a book today because I can read um prove it Megan <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, it's called the business of expertise by David Baker, a really mm-hmm. good book. I really recommend it, um, to both of you and anybody's listening. Um, but, uh, one of the thoughts that I had while, while reading this, um, was about, um, it was kind of similar to this, but it made me think of like the big fish, little pond, little pond, big fish thing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us in this scenario, especially business owners, very often found themselves previous in their world, a big fish in a little pond. And I always think about my sweet, dear husband, who is brilliant, because he was always the smartest kid. He, he never needed to be taught math. He just got it. He was always the smartest kid in math. Um, and then he went, and so math was easy. So his identity was like, I'm the smartest kid, like nobody's smarter than me. And then he went to the, he went to the mines and all of a sudden he was a little fish in a big pond. Like he was suddenly surrounded by all the kids that were the smartest kids in their school. Right. And it was just totally different and way harder. And his identity was challenged and his first year of college was fucked because of it. Like it just screwed him up. And I think there's a piece of becoming a business owner that a lot of people go through the same thing. Like I was super successful in my career and you couldn't stop me. And I found success quickly because I was really good at it. And so you're like, of course, I'm going to always be successful. 
because I have a track record all my life mm -hmm. of being successful. And then you go into this, a different scenario, a different situation. And you're like, what, I, am I a successful person? <laughs> because suddenly this is way different and way harder and the rules are changed and everything's different. And I think that is a, a huge piece of identity, especially as business owners. And something that I know all three of us have gone through um, almost this exact scenario. Like I know how to be successful. I know how to close business. I know how to get a deal done. I know how to treat clients. Right. And then all of a sudden the whole context around six of how to be successful changed. Mm -hmm. And here we are like, Holy shit. Am I a successful person? And that's something that I've definitely dealt with. Yeah. Honestly, and I think, sorry, Janae, just a piggy on that. One of the things that I've got from one of my conferences I've went to last year was that I think kind of ties in with identity is when you ask yourself, what, what is, how do you define success, right? This just channels what you think success means through your identity and your beliefs. And one of the things today that I wanted to say before you popped in to go back to you is all of us get like these, we like to feel like we've accomplished something. We like to feel like we're grabbing that next step and we like to feel like it's happening quickly, right? So we do a lot of things in our day-to-day -day lives, professionally and personally, that give us instant gratifications, like clearing out your email inbox before a certain time or making like, you know, just something like that gives you that, that fulfillment of like, I did this. I'm crushing it right now because I, I, it only took me 30 minutes. I did all of that to par. Now what? And we're all being proactive or reactive instead of proactive. And it takes time. And we, feed, we, we want that feeling of like instant gratification. So we do the things that give us instant gratification. And a lot of times the really, really stuff that will give us the instant gratification or the longer gratification it gets postponed because it doesn't give you that immediate feeling, right? It's, it's, it's harder. And it's, it's like you said, when am I going to be all of these things of self-development, right? <laughs> I'm yeah. reading all of it. I'm doing it. It's like me and my stinking gratitude practice. I have gratitude practice. I'm writing down three things I'm grateful for. I share it with my damn fiance every day. Still don't have it. Like we're Where still not connected. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, yeah, I think there's something to be said with our culture today and how we receive information, how quick it is that we all want that quick, quick, quick answer and slowing down to what does success mean to you? What are my core values? And when they're in alignment, I, I believe that they will happen quicker or feel like it happens quicker because they're defined better um, in, in that time period of whatever you're going through. So, sorry, today that was my No, that was, that was really, that was really good. Um, so how much do you think then based on those things? Because I can tell you that some of where I feel like I quote unquote should be, you know, at this point is so much dictated by my comparison to others. So how much do you feel that identity in a good way or a bad way is defined by comparison because I know that there's a portion of identity that's highly influenced by your associations in your environment. I know that because in a good way, right? When you're around people who are high achieving, you 
it tends to become high achieving. When you're around people who are money motivated, you tend to become money motivated. When you're around people who care about other people, that's a culture you pick up too, right? So when you're trying to change your identity, I know within my company, they talk about it a lot, like hang out with people who are further along than you, right? So you hang out with people, you know, in my case, that means people who are making 500 grand a year or a million dollars a year who have these massive, you know, businesses. And that helps because it makes me identify with those people. It makes me feel like, you know what, these people aren't that much different than me or they're not different than me at all. They're not smarter than me. They're not more attractive. They're not harder working. So I can do this too, right? I understand that that's a positive benefit of how identity works by um, comparison or by association, right? I understand that. However, part of where I feel like, okay, based on what I'm doing, if again, I'm this smart and capable, hardworking person, which I know that I am, then it's really difficult for me to not feel like I should be way further along, you know, does, mm -hmm. does that make sense? So like, how much do you think that factors in? Cause I know for me, it does probably too much, but definitely a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think we can't avoid comparison. I think, uh, you have to be like really self-actualized to get away from comparison. We all do it. It's difficult. Our culture and everything is, is met by comparison. We make a lot of really good decisions by comparison. That's how we find the so we find the bad apple in the basket of apples to go back to the apples and oranges so we can compare it. We can compare the rotten apple to the good apple. So comparison is actually a really great tool for us in a lot of decision-making things, which makes it so difficult because it's sometimes really detrimental at the same time. And so um, it is hard. Um, but I think what you're describing more is, uh, is results instead of your inner identity. And so what you're describing is your re results based on your identity should be the same results they get based on their identity. And um, <clears throat> results aren't always the, the key factor, but they're the easiest to see and they're the only thing you can compare. Unless you sit down mm. with all these people and have a deep conversation about their, you know, deep-seated beliefs of humanity and themselves and all of that, uh, that's all you have to compare. And so mm. sometimes that's not really fair because what if their identity actually is totally different than yours and they're getting it through means that you would never do. And so your path to that same outcome that you're looking for is going to be different than theirs. So sometimes it's not a fair, um, a fair comparison because like my business model isn't a quick scale model. I don't want a quick scale model. I, I that's not my my bag. That's not what I want. I want to have a hand in every ounce of growth in my business. That's what I love. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's other people that identify as really successful and they have a quick scale growth model and they have a very different business and life than I do uh, because of that. But our identity is the same. We just, uh, we have different identities that adjust the way we go about doing that. And so I think it's, I think it's an unfair comp to compare results, anybody else's results to yours, because identity is just one factor in the entire equation that makes up a, a life's results. So would you say, Megan, that comparison from your own results sounds like you would be a good way of defining things versus 
you know, so-and-so made 50 cold calls a day and closed X amount of business last month. And, you know, I made, you know, I don't know, 50, 30, whatever. And I closed a fraction or I didn't close as much as they did. You know, what's, what's wrong with me or what, why does that work? Is that kind of what you're th- think saying? Yes. I think you're comparing what identity, what identities you have to what behaviors that creates in your life is really important. Yes. So if I identify as somebody that's really efficient and, you know, all of back all the way as far as we can go and look at um, uh, affirmations, they were always about identity. Like I am an efficient person. I am a, I get work done quickly. I spend one, I can get more done in one focused hour than most people can get done in one day. Like those are all affirmations that I use in my life uh, to reinforce my identity of I'm an, I'm an efficient person. And so I can compare my results, my own results to when I really focus on that identity and I'm holding that, that true. And that is an identity that I want to reinforce in my life, then my results are different. And so it's almost comparing my own apples to my own apples instead of my own apples to somebody else's oranges. Right. And so even from apples and oranges. (laughs) So even though uh, it could be, it could be the same statement, it just really changes based on how you do the work there. But and also we need to look at what are the behaviors that that identity creates and are they healthy um, and are they creating the future that you want to create? And so right. if like, there's a lot of small ways that we create our own identity that keeps us small and holds us back. And that's the important, important conversation, I think, is really spending some time and evaluating what what is the identities that you are reinforcing in your life that are creating behaviors that are leading you away from the person you want to become in five years and 10 years, in six months. And those are the ones you need to be really, really aware of because they're toxic. You could have 12 really great identities and three really bad, and it's going to be really difficult to continue to um, grow in that positive way if you constantly have these things tearing you down and holding you back. Does that make sense? One question. Yes, it makes sense. One question I want to try to address since we are all in this stay at home order situation right now and lives were a little disrupted. What are some things that we could possibly recommend to our listeners to help them dial in their identity during this time. Um, one of the things that I talked about last week, last week with um, my therapist was, turns out I, like Megan, you know, like I'm not good at math or whatever. I have told myself over and over that I'm a terrible writer. Flat out because I hate it. Um, my brain thinks much faster than how my hand comes out. And even typing, my brain thinks faster than that that is. So I'm never getting what I'm actually wanting to say out on paper. So turns out when people tell me to journal about something, I want to go shank somebody because I hate journaling. I hate writing things down. And it's not the, the thought of reflecting. It's the actual art of writing it down. I don't like it, right? So we've defi- we, we came across this uh, last week. And so we were trying to think of one, another way to call it, two, another way for me to get 
whatever it is out that I'm journaling about. Is it typing? Is it voice recording? You know what I mean? So forget writing, take that whole element out and let's talk about voice recording. So that's something that I started to do and I actually like it way better. Good. Um, but like, I'm just trying to think of some other suggestions that we could give, you know, our listeners that they, cause they could be struggling right now with identity a lot. I know we've, we've heard a lot where social media is bombarded with like, we're up, we're down, people are all over the place. And I think it's a key time right now to try to maybe get a new habit in to try to help identify your own, your own identity and just understand that this is fluid. It could change, and whatever we do this next two months while we are possibly at this stay-at-home order could be completely different come May 1st when we're back into it in our regular lives and knowing that that's okay. Yeah, I think, so first of all, on your point, like I feel the same way. Like I enjoy journaling, but it gets really frustrating because you're right, my hand doesn't move as fast as my brain does. And so I use um, day one, that's the journaling app I use because it has not only voice recording, but it'll transcribe what you're oh, saying. What is that? Hold on. Day one is what it's called. Totes noted. Keep going. Sorry to yeah. interrupt. No, you're fine. But that's been really helpful for me because I can get out my thoughts like in a conscious stream of as it's coming to me and then it'll just all be written down and transcribed. Mm -hmm. So I like that personally. Um, journaling is too, it's, too slow. It's not usually enough. Um, so that's, that's one thing. I think that the, the biggest thing for identity, because over and over again, I hear that the only ways to basically change your identity are to change your environment and change your associations. Those are the biggest ones. So, but one of the ways that you can do that, especially when you're in isolation too, is continue to expose yourself to people who raise your identity over time. So, you know, if that's by reading a whole bunch, I mean, that in that way, you're changing your associations by spending time with people who maybe you wouldn't get access to in person. So whether that's, you know, somebody like um, Zig Ziglar or somebody like John Maxwell or, you know, somebody who can pour into you through, you know, either their words in books or in podcasts as well. Um, that's another really good one, you know, because I wouldn't necessarily have the ability to have physical conversations with a lot of these people but them sitting down and pouring their um, education into me so that I can learn something in an hour that took them, you know, maybe 30 years to learn, that makes a really big difference along the way. I would say continue to, to improve on your associations, even in quarantine, and maybe those aren't physical associations anymore now, but, you know, you also have to think about what your, what your influences are in the meantime, because if it's just well, I, I'm at home, so I watch TV and I exercise a little bit and I do that. Like, that's fine. But um, if all you're spending your time with is being poured into by Netflix, right? Or the spending Tiger time, King. The Tiger King. Okay. I loved the Tiger King, so I'm not going to. I loved I it too, but that's not my identity. No, that's not my identity either, <laughs> but you're right. Like spending a, a long amount of time, like more than you usually would. Anybody looked at their screen time reports lately? Oh um, yeah. Rough man. Really We were up 13% from last week. Exactly. So even, even if that means limiting your time with something like Netflix or limiting your time with something like Facebook, for instance, where it can be very, very 
draining. Most of the messages are negative right now, or they're the extreme. It's like either something that's very, very heartwarming or very, very scary. There's like nothing in the middle. Yeah. So not necessarily a healthy environment either. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you're limiting your exposure to things like that, which is kind of difficult right now. I understand that, but there's yeah. plenty of courses online. I mean, we were talking about how people were enrolled in that, you know, how to make your life happier class. Um, yeah. There's resources for free classes and all sorts of different things. So yeah. I guess that's the, that's what I would say. I, I think I would take a, a little bit less of a passive uh, approach. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting as you're talking, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like you came up, Danae, in a really important community of your life that really talked about morals and really talked about like, these are the, this is the actions that people like us do. And it was kind of poured into you what your identity is. And that means that these are the actions that we take. And these are the actions that we don't take. And you were really brought up in that like environment and I wasn't. And so I had to do a lot of seeking like on my own to uh, like really decide what that was going to be. Um, and so my approach is really different. And when I work with clients, um, especially like from my life coaching training, when I work with clients that struggle with identity, the first, first thing I have them pay attention to is the things they say to and about themselves. Because you are telling yourself it through your thoughts over and over and over and over all day long, your identity. And so if you're really aware of the things that you're saying to or about yourself, you can understand what identities you have if you're not sure what they are. And those themes are going to come through. And so what you have to decide is, is this a, something I actually want to believe about myself? Is this something that I actually want to internalize and become? And if that, if the answer to that is no, then it's full stop. And you need to do some real serious work about the things that you're saying to and about yourself internally and externally. Um, what you say about yourself to others, what you say to yourself in a quiet moment, putting makeup on in the mirror, all that sort of stuff you need to be really, really, really careful of. And that's where you start shaping your identity. Because if you're saying to yourself, just a really simple example, I don't like mushrooms. And you say, I don't like mushrooms every day or every time somebody offers you anything with mushrooms, are that you're basically creating a future for yourself because you're reinforcing it, that you're never going to like mushrooms. And the case may be in five years from now, you might have something with mushrooms that you really like and you just never gave yourself the opportunity to be the person with the identity that likes mushrooms. And so we have to be really careful about that because it does have, people think it's so silly when you say, you know, your thought life matters, the things you say to and about yourself matters. But if you really pull at it, you realize that it has a deep, deep impact on the person that you become. Mm -hmm. And so I, that is my more aggressive approach. And I've even gone as far with clients as I want you to write it down, keep a notebook with you. And every time you have a thought about yourself or you say something to somebody else about yourself, I want you to write it down. And then we're going to look at it and say, what kind of future are you creating with these thoughts? I would say along with that too, something that's been really helpful for me and I know everybody harps on it is for that exact reason, meditating is always really helpful for me. And that's because sometimes I get in this place where um, I have these very, very powerful feelings, right? Mm -hmm. I have mental health concerns for days, but when I, when I get this feeling that says, um, that's not, that's not a, a bad thing by any means, something I'm very conscious of, but when I get a thought that says, you're incapable or you're bad or you're unintelligent, 
um, in the moment, it feels like those thoughts are my identity. Yes. Right. Those feelings are my identity. Like that's who I am because that's what I'm feeling. Yep. And when I take a moment to do something like meditate, it's funny because turning my brain off to the point where all I can recognize are my thoughts and where my brain's going gives me the opportunity to take a step back and realize that there's a part of me that's just observing my feelings as just feelings, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the part of me that I actually am is that being in the background who's recognizing that this is something that comes and goes and it's not good, it's not bad, it's just something that passes through, mm-hmm. you know, that's really helpful because otherwise if I'm stuck in my everyday life and I go up and down with, with the strong emotions that I have, which is again, the best and the worst part of me is that I'm very emotionally volatile. Like I experience things on a very like high level and a very low level. And it's easy to feel like that's exactly who I am at any given point because I can experience an amazing like victory in my life, some sort of instant gratification. And I'm like, oh, I'm so happy. This is who I am. This is my identity. And then 20 minutes later, I have something miserable and now that's my identity, you know? So being able to recognize that there's something above it, Mm -hmm. that's who I actually am, regardless of how I'm feeling. Yeah. um, That's what meditation does for me is, is help get me to that point where I can consciously take a step away from that. Excellent. Yeah. One other point real quick, because I know we have to wrap up today that I would challenge you to add, because I'm trying to add this, um, is when you're feeling these emotions, high, low, bad, good, identifying the emotion through meditation. But one question I started to ask myself is where do I feel it? Neck, shoulders, traps, chest. Is it anxiety? Do I have butterflies in my belly? Is my heart racing? Am I sweating? And sometimes when you label those emotions and you give it the physical response and then practicing just kind of breathing through it and letting you letting it go that has helped me a lot in regards to not making it so much about my identity and just labeling it as a feeling Mm -hmm. or an emotion which we don't ever want to downplay that we're having because they're totally normal to have but it almost boxes it neatly into that that um criteria so you're not there's not as much overlap or correlation yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that talks about this in human design. You guys have heard me talk about it in the past, but what you de- both just described is the self versus the not self and the not self is all this programming and all these things that, that you've been told to think about yourself and you've been told to think about the world and uh, programmed reactions that you're supposed to have versus like your true self. And I love that both of you are figuring out a way to kind of dig into that. And it's yeah. so hard. And I still struggle with that exact same thing is, okay, is this what I'm feeling right now? Like me or my not self, like in my ear trying to ruin my day? Cause fuck you, get out. I don't want you in my day. Um, so let's all just continue to work on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Agreed. <laughs> Yay. Team. Yay. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap this up for this episode. Um, know that we all love you and we are all going to get through this second week of quarantine or whatever we're on right now, but we love you guys. If you need anything, we are here. Again, we can't go anywhere else. (laughs) Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. And what we really need is for you to like, subscribe, comment, share, and let us know what you think and share it with everybody that you want to help level up their life too. So until the next episode, thanks.